Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. When Steve Bannon left his position as White House chief strategist less than a week after the Charlottesville Unite the Right rally in August of 2017, he was already a notorious figure in Trump's inner circle and for bringing right-wing ideology into the highest echelons of American politics. In the film, The Brink, we follow Steve Bannon through the 2018 midterm elections in the United States, shedding light on his efforts to mobilize and unify far-right parties in order to win seats, as well as in the May 2019 European parliamentary elections. This film, The Brink, follows Steve Bannon through the corridors of power, meeting with some of the most powerful as well as dangerous politicians of our time. And we're joined today by the director and cinematographer for this wonderful documentary, The Brink, and that's Allison Clayman. Allison, welcome back to Film School. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you. Allison, how did you come across this project of uh, of The Brink? This uh, project can kind of be summarized as two women uh, taking on a very powerful figure at the height of his relevance and um, and effectiveness. I mean, my producer, it all happened because my producer, Marie-Therese Giorgis, um, knew Bannon from kind of, I like to say, a previous life when he was still uh, kind of working as an investor in the film business, he uh, bought a, a company called Wellspring that was an art house film distribution company, and he became Marie Therese's direct boss. This was in the early 2000s, before his politics really took an extreme turn, you know, before the Tea Party and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they had this you know, previous working relationship, and, uh, you know, there was a, a, a friendship in, in some ways. They lost touch until he reemerged in her life because he had joined the Trump campaign as CEO, and she reached out to him really to express her displeasure. I'm putting it mildly, you know, to send <laughs> some pretty um, angry emails and uh, saying, you know, that she really disagreed with what he's doing. How could he do this? Um and eventually she decided that her personal catharsis was, you know, limited uh, in, uh, in, in what it was doing for the world. And, you know, she produces documentary films. What if she could get him to agree to do uh, a verite film that would really expose what his activities and, you know, tactics were. I mean, that was kind of the idea from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, she asked him a few times. This was while he was still in the White House um, in sort of mid-2017. He said no, and, and then he said yes. And then, you know, luckily for me, she um, I was the filmmaker she always had in mind. I think this was really in my wheelhouse from doing this kind of fly on the wall, kind of taking on a big character there was a big wrinkle for me in this one, though, because it's someone who I already knew that I fundamentally, I thought he was bad for the country and the world and on the wrong side of history. And, you know, my politics were really opposed to everything that he was doing. Um, but when it comes to, you know, 
verite filmmaking, I didn't know what he was like at all. And so there really was an opportunity for me to step in and find, I, I both didn't know what he was really like and I didn't know what he was going to do. Right. So, you know, there was a lot that was, it was a great responsibility, but also um, like a great challenge and something that I thought once I realized that he was a very fascinating character and that we were in fact going to be able to push for some, you know, real access, then, then I thought there was the possibility for something important to, to be done. Right. And I want to say at the outset that I thought that this film was very fair to Steve Bannon to the point where the very first maybe 15 or 20 minutes of the film I thought he sort of in the in this film reveals a, a human, very human side to himself. He has a sense of humor. He's very good at sort of uh, re interactions with people around him. He seems to treat them with with respect. He has a sort of uh, and he has a sort of a scoundrel's kind of persona that he I yeah. think he cultivates. So all of this this part of the film, what I, I just found fascinating was we get to know him in a way that is personal and and I would endearing is too strong of a word but at the same time it sort of defangs his per, public persona in a way and then I think it lays open for us and through this film the brink an opportunity to kind of see him stripped away as the film goes on I feel like we begin to peel back the layers with him was he and I'm, I'm getting to a question here and that is was he was he that way with you and it, in terms of you sort of as you were getting to dome as you were sort of setting the ground rules of whatever those might have been for the film how did he come across in those first few times that you were with him i feel like i have to come down from that wonderful description though because i it really you know verite filmmaking is is both kind of direct cinema but there's also like everything is a choice right and the way you just described the film, it, you know, it really gels with what my intention was in putting it together. Um, so I'm very excited. I love all those words, defanged. And, you know, yeah. I, I think the film is uh, a deconstruction of him. And I think that the power that he, um, I think that something going into it, while I didn't know him at all, uh, personally, the image of him was sort of as this great manipulator, you know, the real brains behind the operation, and also, frankly, as an evil, you know, a, a source of, you know, evil power. And clearly all of that was really something that he was reveling in, and it was like a currency for him. And he, you know, so so in a lot of ways, once I got to know him and, and see him as a human, and it was pretty apparent that, you know, he's, He's he's a uh, he's smart and he has a certain set of skills, but he's also not all those things. You know, he's not a mastermind, and he's not. Um, you know, it was it was the the intention of the film was to ha how to convey that, and um, you know, you you have to go on a journey, right? You right. can't it can't just be. Also, what would be the point of a movie that's just a greatest hits of every you know right. horrible racist dog whistle thing that is said i mean also that would be a completely unfair portrayal because like going back to your question you know what you see of him treat you know having a self-deprecating sense of humor charming people dealing with people uh, you know in person also you know in a likable way wanting to be liked i mean all of that is what i found 
in in meeting him and in observing him. And I think it's important to recognize that this is one of his assets. It's like it's a tool in his toolkit is, you know, is the fact that he is personable. And you wouldn't necessarily know that, um, especially if you're looking at him from a, you know, left-wing general uh, audience perspective, if you saw social media and, and things like that. But it's important to know. And in fact, I think there's a way to do it that kind of can, you know, I say demystify, but now I like the word, you know, defang kind of as well. And and, and in the end, I think it it's not only a more honest look at him, but I think it can be more scary. You know, I think realizing that people who are trying to cause great harm and causing great harm, um, you know, who have who are putting forth evil policies and, and, you know, dealing in hate, you know, they don't necessarily look like, you know, like an evil monster. They're right. people. And I think that ultimately is what is more chilling. You know, it makes it for a more enjoyable watch, <laughs> yeah. I, I think, as a film. Right. And ultimately, for a lot of people have told me, it, it, it it's a more, you know, chilling uh, takeaway. Yeah, absolutely right. And I always... You know, pithy things to say that, you know, I'm sure that Mussolini loved his dog and his dog loved him. I mean, there's exactly. there there are, of course, there are things about these people that are are very human and very relatable. That was important in putting the film together. You know, there aren't any storylines, you know, right. where it's like right. the whole point is like, and he loves his dad, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, because that's, that's just not this project. I think somewhat, you know, you can make a movie and that can be part of the the project, but that that wasn't the project here. Right. Let's for our audience. First of all, let me remind our audience we're speaking with Allison Clayman, and she is the director and cinematographer on this terrific new documentary called The Brink, coming out on the 29th here in Los Angeles uh, of March, March 29th. Tell us where we pick up the story of of Steve Bannon. Sure. So the film basically starts right as he has left the White House in uh, its fall 2017. August was when the Charlottesville Unite the Right rally happened, when Trump talked about all those fine people marching with tiki torches and, uh, uh, you know, shouting, Jews will not replace us. Um, about a week later, Bannon left his post as a uh, chief strategist at the White House. And the movie essentially starts then. In a, in a loose way, I would say there's kind of three, you know, three parts, three acts. It's, you know, the first act is him kind of, it, it, but, but the big takeaway overall, actually, I should say, is like him, you know, trying to push his relevance and power right. um, in this new chapter of his life. The first act is, uh, it does end up kind of being his support of Roy Moore and him trying to, you know, support a, a candidates in Republican primaries and, you know, trying to be this, you know, rabble rouser against the uh, Republican mainstream. But, I mean, come on, he he is the Republican mainstream, so I find that kind of laughable. But, um, you know, he, him supporting Roy Moore, Act 2, is him taking his show on the road and, you know, working with uh, the far right in Europe and he says, you know, trying to, he, he starts to articulate this vision of a global far right. Uh, and he works with some very extreme leaders in Europe, um, okay. trying to help them succeed. And then Act 3 is him, you know, trying to hold the House for the Republicans in the 2018 midterms. Yeah, and he's trying to be relevant throughout this. Yeah. He's trying, and he's also of the mind that he is in this vanguard 
of this new wave, riding the Trump wave of right-wing populism around the world. And and I, without, I'm not going to launch into a political screed here, but because of his position and because of where he was uh, in the White House, he has this incredible sort of gravitas with this with this sort of ideology. And, and um, I mean, he took a stumble with Roy Moore. And then he goes to Europe. And this is the thing about him and I think his place in all of this. And what the film highlights so beautifully and so effectively, and that is that these people, when they get together in a room, they're not talking about policy. No one's trying to convince anything of any real consequence. It's all about tactics. It's all about strategy. Because they are all... This is all dog whistle. They all yeah. understand implicitly what they're really about. There's no need to explain it to anybody. And that's the thing about this, this these, these scenes with these guys from Europe, including Nigel Farage and uh, Jerome uh, Ferreri. And there's just a number of these people. These are all part of this very frightening right-wing movement. Yeah, I mean, they get in a room and what are they talking about? They're talking about birth rates. Right. You know, they're exactly. talking about exactly. invader, you know, like, you know, towns, you know, changing their character. They're talking, I mean, right. when they get in a room, they're not talking about the things that I think what we're seeing them do publicly, which is try to reframe their project as being for the citizens and kind of for the little guy and for, um, they try to, to use language that's more of economics. Frankly, they're trying to co-opt the language of the left. Right. But what, but what they're, you know, what it's all kind of a wrapper around is an, anti-Muslim, xenophobic, anti-immigrant mm. um, concerns, right. and it was abundantly clear because, you know, I some some of those meetings I sat in from start to finish. You know, they didn't then get to the part where they're talking about uh, capital controls. You know what I mean? Right. No, I know. I, I th- again, this is a film that people really should see because. Steve Bannon is just one, he's sort of what, he's sort of above the, the waterline in terms of what we know, is, what we assume is going on. And in this film, we get to see below the waterline what's, what's going on in terms of, and, and it's not in the film, but I'm going to th- inject this in, into the conversation. And that is almost everyone that was sitting at that table in those couple of meetings that we see in the film, there was a lot of Russian money in that room a lot of Russian backing in that room. And I think at the end of the day, that's what Putin's big selling point is, is white supremacy. I think I think that's what ties all of this together. And if I I'm, think you're totally right. And, you know, the, the, the French party, the National Rally Party, um, you know, it's known that they, you know, have have Russian money. And it's it's completely true. I think you're spot on. And, you know, Bannon, praises Putin because he's a great nationalist and right. is also, you know, uh, unabashedly, you know, pro a sort of traditional fidelity to the church. Um, right. That's 100%. The film opens on the 29th here in Los Angeles. Uh, I urge people to go see it. One last question about Steve Bannon. Has he seen the film? Yes, he has seen the film. Um, my producer, Marie Therese, showed it to him just before it's premiere at Sundance. And I think it was, as for as, as I know from the experience of many subjects who I've filmed over a long period of time, I think it was a little strange for him to watch the distillation through my eyes of a year in his life. But, you know, he kind of played it 
close to the vest. Um, ever since the reviews started coming out, though, he cut off all contact. <laughs> so, um, yeah, well, I don't I don't know what he thinks, but I think I know what that means. Yeah, you know what it means. Well, Allison, you're officially now fake news. So, <laughs> so uh, well, thank you so much, Allison Clayman. The film again is The Brink, and we've uh, it comes out here on the 29th in Los Angeles. Thank you so very much for coming back to film school. Really thank you. This was a great conversation. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.